0: New Piney Grove. New Piney Grove. New,
1: Piney Grove. New Piney Grove. Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where Grove. one of our core values is Christian education. New Let's Piney tune in Grove. to this week's message.
2: We're gonna kinda look somewhat at the theme, the last part. Uh, taking flight to where God leads you and we we want to look at uh, it from I think a a different perspective Uh, as you know what the theme is but our focus is going to be the leading of the Holy Spirit and and what this has has done for me is really challenged me uh, for those that know me and and I've said it often about You know, it's a shame to go to hell through the church. That uh, a lot of people in the in the church ain't saved, and this is going to be kind of backed backed up with scripture. Uh, And it really kind of gave me a sense of sadness uh, because of because I think we we have taken grace and put it in a position that it should not be. Uh, so just bow with me. Father, it's in Jesus' name, I thank you for these people that are here. My prayer is that every one of them have a relationship with you, but uh, maybe by the end of this session, if they don't, they will. And for those of us that uh, do, that we'll have a close one and great appreciation for your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Here's a lesson overview. First point that I want to bring out is something that Uh, You probably heard people say stuff like this. Something told me. Something led me. When you say something like a something, that puts it into where it's an it. But the Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a person. He is God dwelling within us once we have committed our life to him and became born again. And the purpose of that spirit within us is to communicate with God's spirit because the word tells us that God is a spirit. So if we're going to communicate with God, we can't communicate Him no more than in our spirit. We're all familiar with cell phones and look like everybody's got one. And if you don't have one, something, you know, we think something's wrong with you. But how many of y'all have almost panicked? when you lost your phone or you don't know where your phone is. That's because you recognize that this is a lifeline. This is this is something that you communicate with. Well, that's the same thing the Holy Spirit does within us. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, we're going to panic. Because you have no way of communicating with God. If you grieve the Holy Spirit, you're going panic. Ah. Uh, the Holy Spirit, what are we talking about? Or, or the Holy Ghost. is. And I think sometimes the people are afraid to use this word, ghost. You know, they think it's Pentecostal, but that's all right. But anyway, the Greek word is "hagios numa," And it has various functions identified by various titles. And we're just going to look at this for them. Number one, it, it, the, the Spirit of God to us is a, comfort, a comforter. He's also a counselor. And, and third, he's also an advocate, means he fight for us and he's a guy. Yeah. Now all four of these terms are translated of the Greek word parakletos, which we get the word paraklete, if some of y'all heard the word paraklete, uh, uh, that's just another name for spirit. Now. Some of you may remember, but my cousin long ago—I don't know—we was up here. He came. He preached on, on, on this thing about paraclete, and he made it so plain. He said, "You may not understand where a paraclete is, but you know where a parachute is. You know where a paramedic is. You can see right there the content of helping someone in distress. So, the paraclete is just another name for the Holy Spirit." When Jesus went away, when he was ascending, the disciples were greatly distressed. As a matter of fact, when he was telling them about it, he, they, he was great stressed. But uh, they were so used to his comforting presence that they just panicked. But he promised to send his spirit to comfort, console, and guide them. And that is, again, here's the point, those that belong to Christ. The Spirit also bears witness with our spirit that we belong to him, thereby assures us in our salvation. Now, here's another point when I talk about, uh, it saddens me about whether people may have a relationship with Christ that leads to salvation, when people have doubts about their salvation. Most often than not, when you have doubts about your salvation, it's because you're depending on you. Your salvation has nothing to do with you or what you did, what you didn't do. Your salvation is totally dependent on what Jesus did and you believe in what he did. So when you have the Holy Spirit, it bears witness that you belong to him. In fact, it's, it's a seal. It's, it's a seal that you and I may can't, can't see, but the demonic powers can, that you
1: belong to God. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Wait for it. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you.
2: These are encouraging words to the disciples, even though they didn't understand today the day of Pentecost. But that last verse, 18, where he said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I may be gone in my fleshly being. But notice what he said. I will come to you. I will come to you. Now, he said that he's going to send another comforter. Because he's been a Then he says, I will come to you. Well, let's see if we can make sense of this. There are two different Greek words rendered as Another. Herteros, which uh, has the connotation of a different kind, and alos, which means another of the same kind. Now, alos is the word that's really used here in John 14, 16. So when the Father sent the Spirit, he sent an equal, a personal representative, not inferior or subordinate, as a substitute. The Spirit continues what Jesus did. He comforts, he comforts, he encouraged, he guides, he strengthened. and reminds us of everything that Jesus taught us. Now, there are only two places in the New Testament where the w- words led by the Spirit were recorded. One is in Roman, one is in Galatia. Romans eight 14, and we'll deal with this later on because we're going to be dealing with the book of Romans pretty much tonight. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Now, some major modern translation uh, may use children of God. But the reason that Paul does it this way is because son has rights. In his days, only the son's was heirs. So he's looking at everybody that belongs who is an heir. And notice now, quite plainly what it says, For all those who are led by the Spirit... These are the sons of God. So what what does that imply if you're not led by the Spirit? Yeah, I know that, but dang ain't what I want y'all to see. What does that imply? I, I, I want to hear it. For all who are led by the Spirit... Of God. These are sons of God. So if you're not led by the spirit. Y'all getting it now. You don't belong to him. This is in shock ways to everybody. See it's a difference between grieving the spirit. And really not being led. If you grieve the spirit. You are being led. You are just being disobedient. Here's the point, and Lord, help me get through this tonight. If you can do some of the things you used to do before you were saved, you probably ain't. Without without feeling some type of conviction. If you can be comfortable in doing what you used to do. Number two, let me go on. Galatians 5 and 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And We're don't, we going don't to get to that, so let me move on because I'm way behind. We're going to talk in this first session about the law of sin and death.
1: Chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death.
2: Thank you. Look at verse 2. When you think about the beginning, verse 1 said there's no condemnation. Why is there no condemnation? Because you've been set free, but how were you set free? By the spirit of life. So if you don't have the spirit, then guess what? You ain't set free. You're still under law. In chapter 7, the Apostle Paul writes of the battle between the new and the old nature. The flesh and the spirit are in constant warfare for the control of your mind. The power of the old, nat- old nature motivates to do things our new nature does not want us to do. Read chapter 7 in Romans, and Paul basically saying he's struggling with this thing. The things that I want to do, I don't do. And The things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. So there's a question. Must a believer spend his whole life on earth frustrated by ongoing defeats of indwelling spirit, indwelling sins, rather? Is there no power provided to achieve victory? you get a point here because when you're talking about enjoy and sin we put that sin in a category of do's and don't right things and murder uh, you know fornication, adultery doing drugs right? and and, and a long time Christians start to condemn it because they're looking at those type of sin what about gluttony what about jealousy or envy what about hatred what about gossip These type things that are prevalent in the church, especially gossip, are sins that we don't want to look at. And when you try to stop it, you find yourself doing it anyway. (laughs) What about unforgiveness? You struggle with it just like... (laughs) So, so no, you ain't bound to this because the characteristic of the Holy Spirit is to empower you to live that life that's holy that God's requiring. For you. Remember, He said, "Be ye holy as I am holy." See, this is known as the law of God. The characteristic of the indwelling Spirit, in uh, indwelling sin, is a desire to do evil. You got it in you. Anybody in here that say they don't have it in you, let me. Slap you in the face and see why you feel about it. <laughs> it's like the law of gravity. When you throw a ball up in the air, it comes down because it is heavier than the air it's replacing. It, it just can't help itself. It does something. The good news is there's a high law which we're going to get to, but I won't leave y'all there with that because with, with some of y'all may not come back tomorrow night. The law of sin operates in the members of the human body, waging war against the desire to obey the law of God. That is if you want to obey the law of God. How many of y'all can attest to this? When you made a decision or a statement to stop doing something or to do right, then all of a sudden all hair broke loose. The problem is that while that law of God is spiritual, we're not. We're calm. We're fleshly. This means we're prone to react to our fleshly impulses. We know what the law of God requires, but we are unable to perform those requirements. If I brought to you some scriptures that are commandments, the law of God, could you honestly say you got this thing down pat? Love your enemies. That's one. H- have you got it down, Pat? One of the things that I didn't say Sunday when I was talking about Jonah going to Nineveh. For him, going to Nineveh, just like me asking you to go to the Ku Klux Klan and, and, and try to save them, he felt like a traitor. He didn't want to go. And there's a lot of things that God requires of us that we don't want to do. And because we don't want to do it, is that justified in us not doing it? Sometimes we try to do that. The law of sin leads to death because we cannot obey the law of God. The internal battle brings about another (laughs) characteristic called the law of the mind. We struggle with doing right that we know we ought to do. This is an inward desire to obey God's law, but it causes us frustration because we can't do it. This is, this is what, what, what is called a spiritual, moral sensitivity to the will of God. You, you know, you sense Inside of you, that God is not pleased with this, yet you still struggle with it. See, this is the Holy Spirit prompting us to repent. In the Old Testament, dealing with sin, God had a way to deal with it called sacrifice. Every time somebody did wrong, they're supposed to offer a sacrifice, a payment of death for that sin. In the New Testament, it, it, the way we deal with sin now—yes, Christ dealt with them on the cross. That—that's a done deal. But the way we deal with them individually is when we sin, is to repent us. And here's where the devil wins so many victory. At we got so many things we do, we don't repent of because we think we justify. anybody here married beside me?
1: Hmm.
2: You ever been mad with your spouse? Have you had reason to believe that you were right, and then the Spirit prompts you to say, "Go and tell her you're sorry," and your flesh says, "Uh-uh, she needs to tell me I'm she's sorry." And then and then, you know, like wrong we were talking about <laughs> about today. When, when when the Bible tells you in Ephesians five and twenty-six to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And you think about how Christ loved the church, that how how dirty and and, and sinful the church was what he died for. And you up there struggling with forgiving the wife, even though you believe she's wrong. Why are you struggling? That is a commandment of God. I tell you why I call you're in the flesh. You're in the flesh. You, it, the flesh calls us to think logical. Why should I apologize to someone when they did me wrong? Let's go back to the scripture of God saying, "Love your enemy and do good to them that persecute you. Are you doing good hoping they're going to stop? Are you doing good because this is what God says? And, and he, 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 this island, please, pass it over there because he's working the sound system.
1: For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay,
2: let's break it down. What weakened the law? According to that scripture, there. Look, 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 look at verse 3. What weakens the law? The flesh. So, so there was nothing we could do to make it right in our flesh. We could not stop doing it. And, and again, I, I, if you don't think that's right, I, I, I actually you to volunteer to come up here and let me slap you and see how you react to that, how you feel about it. Naturally, you you you. It's going to be something inside of you. Now, how many of y'all y'all go to the grocery store and somebody in front of you got a got a a, a seventy dollar bill and they start to count out pennies? <laughs> how do you feel? Do you get impatient? Do you get upset? Well, I can give you a scripture to tell you not to. See, that's, a part, of, that's part of the fruit of the Spirit. Not being impatient. So that, that's, again, part of the flesh. It's weakened because of the flesh. But how did God do it? God sent His own Son in flesh to condemn son, sin in the flesh in order that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. We didn't do it. He did it. And and he, and here's he, he, he the key. Did you want you to kind of look at this with me? Who walk how? And she got okay, she got to speak song. Who walks not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit? Let's reverse that then. In order that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. But there's something to it. Who walk not according to the flesh, but to the spirit. So that means that we walk in the flesh. What's that requirement? It's back on us. We put ourselves in, in a position of where we have circumvented what God had done. Not in, in the essence of it, I completely, but what it is. The purpose that Christ came. When we continue to walk in the flesh, the purpose that Christ came, we're treating it as null and void. This is why loving Christ is so important to the point that you don't want his death to be in vain. Getting back to the thing about the law of gravity. A living bird is heavier than air. It displays. But when you toss it in the air, it flies away. Why? The law of life in the bury overcomes the law of gravity. So the Holy Spirit supplies the risen life of the Lord Jesus, making the believer free from the law of sin and death. The, the law of sin and death brings you down, but the Lord Spirit lifting you up. So there's nothing that's weighing you down when it comes to sin you can't overcome. And again, I want want, want y'all to focus on don't 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 focus on those sins that God don't deliver you from. Focus on those ones He's still dealing with.
1: For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. There are two types of people that
2: we need to look at here. Those in the church who really are not saved. And those in the church who are saved but carnal. They're fleshly. And Paul is addressing this here. Living according to the flesh, that means they set their mind completely on things of the flesh. But those who are living according to the spirit set their, their thing on the spirit. The flesh leads to death. The life of the spirit leads to, to peace. I heard, I, heard the, I think it was David Jeremiah talking this morning about... Worry, and basically saying, when Christ has told us not to worry, why do we? Why can't we allow the Spirit to give us peace, even in the midst of our storm? Two reasons: you ain't saved, or the reason you're carnal. Those who live according to the flesh, are mainly concerned with things of the flesh. Can we go back to the analogy of being married? When we having these intense fellowship, are you trying to win the battle? Or are you trying to make peace? See, if you live living according to the flesh, flesh, you want to win the battle, whether it means leading to peace or not. You're more concerned about your own pride, your own flesh. These are people that obey the impulse of the flesh. What what, what happened when somebody gets ready to swing at you? You go, that's an impulse. That's just something that's natural. And sin can be just as natural as that. They live to gratify the size of their corrupt nature. They cater to the body, which in a few short years is going to return to dust. But those who live according to the Spirit, that is, rise above the flesh and blood, live for those things that are eternal. They are occupied with the Word of God, prayer, worship, and Christian service. You've been convicted yet? I have. To be calm-minded is mentally inclined to be controlled by your fallen nature. This leads to death. It is death not in the sense that we're thinking about, as far as both present enjoyment and ultimate destiny are concerned. You don't have no peace. It has all the potential of death, just like it is overdosing with with, with poison. And here's what's going to happen to the carnal Christian. A fish fish can't live out of water very long. Eventually it's going to die. Why? Because it's out of its element. So it is with those who live apart from the spirit. The spirit of the believer is spiritual breath. So if you say and you're living continually in sin, you're suffocating yourself. And that's what happens when you become hard. Karen Brooks, got a mic out there somewhere. They give you one joke, they blame you, you see,
3: so my question is when me and Stevie and I are having a discussion, and we do not agree it does happen um, and i don't I wanna be in the spirit. Mm-hmm. what should I do? Just shut my mouth? <laughs> what are some things
2: that oh. I
3: should do so that it doesn't seem that I'm trying to prove him wrong or he's?
2: I got you. I got you. I wish I had so, the answer for you. Because if I, tell,
3: <laughs> cause if I shut my mouth and say don't say anything, my husband say, mm, "Got that too." You all right? You mad? But I'm trying not to make a point of proving him wrong. Mm -hmm. But then, because I am a talker,
2: (laughs) and I love my husband, y'all. Yeah, we know.
3: I will, um, he'll say, you acting funny, because you're supposed to be talking. (laughs) So, I don't want him to think I'm acting in the flesh, but I don't want him to think I'm trying to win the
2: battle. But are you?
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but are you? But actually, are you?
3: Sometimes I'm not, <laughs> okay, right. Sometimes I'm not, though. I'm, I'm really trying to be that wh- submissive yeah.
2: wife. Yeah. But you know what you just experience, Carrie? That's the battle between the, 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 law of the, the law of God and the law of the flesh. You, you, you're struggling with it. You're struggling with it. Uh, And we all do. One of the first things that I would suggest is recognize it. And be honest with yourself. I'm not right here. This this is what Ann and I do, you know. My mind ain't right. (laughs) I forgive you, but my mind ain't right. Our last intense fellowship, I was really upset. And I just went to my 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 secret place, fell down on my knees, and where I was going to pray, I didn't pray. Because when I got down on my knees, I said, "Lord, you know And I heard Him say, "This are you loving your wife as Christ loved the church?" And I wanted to say, "Well, Lord, are you loving your wife as Christ loved the church?" And I thought about that and I, in my mind he was saying, so what's your problem? I had to recognize that I wasn't doing my part. It didn't have nothing to do with what she did. It was the fact that I didn't do my part. So I got on the phone and texted her and told her that. Go ahead.
4: <laughs> Let me just add to <laughs> that. During that same intense fellowship, I I did share this with a couple of people. Well, while God was dealing with him, I decided I was going to write him this two-page letter and just tell him how I felt. (laughs) And I did write this two-page letter. And, I mean, I was just writing all my feelings down there, and, and I just folded up, and I went back there and put it on his computer, went back in the bedroom, and the Holy Spirit said, Now go get it
1: tear it up,
4: and put it in the trash. (laughs) And that's exactly what I did. But, you know, when you belong to the Lord, he's going to convict you, and he's going to talk to you and tell you how to. We just push him aside because we want to just go ahead and say what we want to say. But he's talking, and you're really hearing. But you're you're saying, I hear you, Lord, but.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the difference between when you're talking about somebody that really they have the spirit, but they're calm. And at that moment, because it goes back and forth, we all get there, you know, than someone that's not saved. Because if you grow with the Lord, the Holy Spirit is going to remind you, going to convict you, then you have another choice. You can obey or you can not. You can stay where you are in your carnality. Oh, uh, you can repent, Morgan. And you just said you're growing with the Lord, because I know I was a fireball when we started out. But as time goes, was on, <laughs> <laughs> as time goes on, you know, you get the you get the message, you get yeah. the understanding of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just want y'all to understand that that when when we are not in the will of God, if you got the Spirit something ought to resonate in you to where you're really not comfortable with. You're really not comfortable
1: with. Okay. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Y'all got that? Number eight. Karen.
2: I think this is something we can take with us. Whenever we get on those moments, whether we think we're right and whether we are right, it doesn't matter. If it's fleshly, it ain't pleasing God. might please you, but it ain't pleasing God. I think everybody in here, one time or another, wanted to curse somebody out. And we feel like we were justified. And we don't have to use curse words to curse people up. We can just have sharp tongues. And when we do that, we have to come to the conclusion, Lord, you wasn't pleased with that. And ain't no buts, ain't no way around it. That's the time we got to say, forgive me. And a lot of times he's going to say, uh-uh, you ain't taking the proper steps. Before I forgive you, what you got to do? And that's one of the hardest things, going back to that individual and telling them. Especially when that person rejects your offer of conciliation. Anybody been there? You want to go and tell somebody you're sorry and they say, I don't want to hear (laughs) it. Next time it happens, what you say? I ain't going back. You need to. You need to. Because you ain't pleasing God. Wouldn't you rather please God than please your spouse? That, that, that comes in the fact... For y'all that ain't married... You better make sure you got a godly woman and a man. Alright. The mind of the flesh is not subject to the law of God. It wants its own will... Not God's will. It wants to be its own master... Not to bow to his rule. Its nature is such that it cannot be subject to God's law. It is, not only, it is not only the inclination that is missing, but the power as well. In other words, and that's what chapter 7 was about. Paul had the desire, he just couldn't do it. But in this case, they don't have the desire either. The flesh is dead toward God. The result is that those controlled by their sinful nature cannot. And look at the present tense, it's written in, you're not able to please God. Not, just can't do it. You go through, you think about what Sister Brooks was saying. On one hand, she tried to to obey the law of God by not being respectful, but on the other hand, she still got feelings. And sometimes it's just best to go ahead and express those feelings, but it's the way you do it and sometimes even the timing of when you do it. Yes, ma'am, Ms. Clark. Why nobody well you you They all up front?
0: When you said the uh, word feeling, I had to grow in and me and have gone on 27 years of marriage. And I had, it, it's just a struggle, uh, the proven right thing. But what I want to say about them feelings, God uh, always dealt with me uh, when I wanted him to get him. <laughs> he always dealt with me where I was and my reactions toward him. And my point is about the feelings I had to get. I said, Lord, you created me with all these emotions. And they're good in the proper perspective, but I had to give those emotions to him. I said, you're going to have to help me with this, because I couldn't do that on my own in my strength. Because being a female, we are emotional uh, uh, beings. And even though I don't care how tough we try to be, our feelings are easily uh, bruised. But I had to give that uh, to God, because one lesson that he wanted, I'm talking about myself personally, that he wanted me to learn, my reaction towards him. What would be my reaction towards uh, him, even if he don't treat me right, not saying that he didn't, but my reaction towards him. Because uh, I'm going to look at that small view from my perspective, uh, and I'm I hear the,
2: what you're saying. Uh, I'm saying and that, that's good, Linda, but what I want everybody to kind of see here is that's what we do. Oftentimes we say, "I can't handle this, Lord. You do. It. You do it." I think everybody here one time or another done did something like that. Then we turn around and pick it back up. Yes, See, that's the that, that that's the power of the flesh. That's the power of the flesh. And and you gonna have to recognize that as long as you in this body, you are in a constant warfare. The 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 victory comes when when you you get that higher law and when you feed the spirit man more than you feed that fleshly man you come to the point but Linda here's one thing that, that I want everybody to take from what you say is the fact you got to come to a, to a point where when God revealed your error to you that you repent that we just simply say I messed up I was wrong and I think that's one thing the enemy wants us to, to 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 not focus on, I know with me, is the fact, the error of my ways. I mean, here's what God has been dealing with me in these last, I'd say, three years. Pride. I, I get upset about certain things, but then the Lord begins, that's pride. That's pride. It ain't because you... You 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 love the people, even though I do love you guys so much that you want them to be here on time and come. But that's pride, because as a pastor, I want to see the church for you. Oh, he used to until you helped me on that. Now I'm not so much as concerned about it. Oh, when somebody don't do what I want them to do, that's on staff here, and I get upset. Is it because they didn't do the work or because I'm the pastor and I told them? So we have to check ourselves. We, and, and again, Linda, I think this is what God does. God began to deal with us. said, let me strip you bare. Let me show you you. And you know what it does? You don't like it. And then, Linda, this is what we say. Lord, change me and then you begin to see him little by little change you where it used to take two comments to make you mad now it takes four that's growth
1: you however are not in the flesh but in the spirit if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you.
2: I don't think I have to say a whole bunch about that. But look at it. He, he, he's in fact saying, you, however, you're not in the flesh, you're in the spirit. Then he says, uh, uh, that is, if, and let me put it in my way, if you say. it, Then he makes a point. If you ain't got the spirit, you don't belong in. If you ain't got some controlling factor inside of you that rares up when you do something wrong, You're not here. Plain and simple. As a result of Christ's indwelling presence, the body is dead because of sin. The spirit is alive because of righteousness. Because of God's imputed righteousness, a believer is alive spiritually. The eternal spiritual life of God is implanted by the indwelling spirit. Though once dead toward God, it has been made alive through the righteousness of the works, Lord, uh, the works of the Lord Jesus in His dead and res- death deathly resurrection, because the righteousness of God has been credited to His account. <sighs> My conversion came, I think, in March of 1982, eighty-three. I can't remember exactly what and it was a traumatic experience to me. When I called my wife, because I was overseas at the time, I even even some in my voice must have let her know, because I said, I don't know what's going on. And she said, you saved. And I just took that from what she was saying. Okay, I'm saved. But I still did some of the same things I was to do. But there was a difference. One of the things that, that, I had in my old nature was a foul, vulgar voice. I blame that on my military connection, Morgan, but it was something inside of me. Man, I could curse somebody out in a heartbeat. And playing basketball that Monday after that Friday conversion, I missed a game-winning shot. And I let go of that vulgar language, but that was a different. I heard myself. I heard the vulgarity of the words I said, and right down that basketball court, I got on my knees and I said, "Lord, I'm sorry." Last week it wasn't matter. It was just words. some did, but once I had the spirit of God, the same things that I do, I did then. Now I'm convicted about it. Now I'm praying about it. Looking at the opposite sex and, and, and tight clothes and, and making comments. When I did them now, I'm convicted. Where the last week but I am this week? That's because now my body is dead to that. And I see it as mess now. Still did it for a while. Even to the point sitting at the dinner table with my mama and my sister, who probably never heard me say a word like that. I said, we were talking, I said, pass the blank, blank salt. And, and, and when I said it, I felt like I could go through the table. That's the difference the spirit. You may still be doing certain things, but, but now there's something inside of you. Don't grieve it. Don't reject it. Let him lead you toward repentance. And
1: then grow. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father.
2: It's no doubt, and I want everybody to understand, you are saved by grace, and grace alone not works. The question has been asked, uh, you mean to tell me I can be saved and, and do whatever I want, I want to do? Yes. But God's going to change what you want to do. I want y'all to look at this word here. So then, brothers, we are debtors. Because of what Christ did, we owe something. We owe him that more pure life that he desires us to live. We owe that to him. Right now, my brother over here in this corner, he probably don't even remember, but I owe him $5. I, I sit around there and want some chain, one that's, Robert, you got $5? He went and got his, his, his pastor, gave him $5, and I forgot to pay him back. <laughs> but see, that's our relationship. I owe it to him. But well, he don't hold it against it because I owe it to him. We owe God the best. We owe him to live that pure life. We are debtors to him. But if he, we don't pay him back, he ain't going to kick us out of heaven. But what the Spirit should do is convict you, just like it did me about this when I saw that thing up there about death. We have a close relationship with God. Oh, you know, my dude. it. <laughs> yeah. The we can call Him our spiritual father, Abba, Daddy. Now, how many of y'all would love a parent so much that you wouldn't want to do something special for them? Think about Mother's Day. Think about Father's Day. That's that closeness that we now, now have. Wouldn't you want to please that maternal parent God is saying to us today, you please me when you try to live a holy life. The context is clearly not talking about making decisions of non-moral issues. Paul is talking about Righteous living. He's talking about being holy. He speaks about following the spirit leading to do. What God has commanded us to do in his word. When God refers here to leading of the, us by spirit. He's not referring to giving us information. In addition to what he's already given us in his word. It's already there. But how often do we pick it up? How often are we looking at trying to find his will. Rather, he referred to the fact that he has sent his spirit into our hearts to incline us to do what he has commanded. And see, this is what the challenge was for me. And, and I asked the question, Lord, wait a minute, now hold it. I know I'm saved, at least I thought I was. And God began to show me the tugging of my heart for not doing the things that he wants us to do or me to do in this case. So my question to you is, do you have that tugging? Do you have that thing inside of you that's torn more than you? Is there an internal battle? If you got an internal battle, that's good. It's when you don't have no battle at all, when you can look at certain things on TV without being convicted because ain't nobody watching but you. Y'all know what we're talking about? See, these little secret things that we're doing that God's not pleased with, we have to ask ourselves a question. Are we trying to please man or we trying to please God? Just because man don't see it, God does. Then will I sprinkle
1: clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within
2: you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. This is the Old Testament. Most of us know that the Spirit did not indwell people in the Old Testament. So we see here now this prophecy of Isaiah. To, to God's folk, the Jews, the Hebrews, who had who had just put away everything he had told them and began to serve idols. When you think about what God condemned in the Old Testament, as, as we were looking at, at, at faith development, not condemning adultery, not condemning incest, there's a lot of things in the Bible we'll see that God did not condemn. Even with David, it was, it was something that happened because he killed Uriah and God told him, if you didn't want another woman, I gave it to you. What ticks God's off is idol worship. Putting someone or something else in his place. He looks at his people as his bride. And when we're doing things apart from that, it's just like your spouse having a sexual relationship with someone else. And when God recognized that his people could not control their sinful nature, he made them a promise. So I'm going to give you a new spirit. I'm going to put it within you. It ain't going to be on the outside. So it's clear that he ain't talking about the Old Testament. And I'm going to take away that stony heart, that heart that, can't be touched and I'm going to put it in the heart of flesh and I'm going to give you my spirit and what that spirit is going to do it's going to cause you to walk in my statue and to keep my judgment and to do this that. that's the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit within us no, we're not going to live that tight perfect life. But we're going to do what we need to do that when we fall, to put ourselves right back and right standing with God. And i say it again, the devil wins the battle when we do things and we don't look at it as something not pleasing God and we don't repent of it. First John 1 and 9 this basically tells us that we confess our faults. He is faithful and just to forgive us and then make it right to cleanse us from it. It's not, it's not so we can do the same thing. It's so that he can cleanse us so we can move on from life. His desire is that we will overcome whatever Sin is overcoming us in our life. And you know what's going to happen when he he does that? He's going to show you something else. We are a work in progress. When you get past this, he's going to show you now work on this. Close it up. Total transformation, remember he's talking about Israel now, from rebellious to obedient being required divine intervention. Listen, folks, you ain't going to do this on your own. I went to Vietnam, and at the promise of my wife, I didn't go off the base for them 11 months I was there. Sexually Pure. But every night I thought about it. That transformation has to take place from the inside. Having God's Spirit dwelling in them, His people will not only be motivated to obey His decree and law, but also be empowered to do so. God's restoration will not simply be and undoing of Israel's sin to bring her into a state of neutrality but rather involve the positive implanting of a new nature in the Israel people that will make them righteous the same principle applies to the New Testament people of God today you are declared righteous do you know that from the moment you were saved it's like God put a stamp on you righteous Man, and he wants you to live like it. You are a king's kid, but sometimes we dress like paupers. Sometimes we talk like paupers. He's saying, "If you my child, live like my child." and I'm going to give you something to help you do that in this growth process of sanctification. There is a uh, monument, I think the monument is supposed to be of King David. It's one of the most pristine statues, I think, that's Still somewhere in the uh, archives there. You've probably seen with one arm now. and understand that that fell off. But that marble statue. Came from a big block. Of ugly stone. And as they were showing. A picture of it. The guy that did it. Had a hammer and a chisel. And he was chiseling off rough pieces and I don't know how long it took him to do it but it took him a long time to chisel off those rough pieces to be as smooth and as pretty as it is and that is the job of the Holy Spirit to chisel us to be what God wants us to be Amen Tomorrow, we're going to look at the works of the spirit versus the works of the flesh. Continue this same thought. Amen. Any questions? Comments? We're going to finish up with Romans and also go to Galatians eventually. No comment? Let us stand. Lord Jesus, you sent your spirit. You came into us in the person of the spirit to empower us to do your will. You told those disciples to go to Jerusalem and wait until they were endued with power. And I pray, God, that there's anyone here that's not saved that they will receive you as Savior right now and that your spirit will empower them Deliver a life that pleases you. Now, God, bless the snacks that have been prepared and give us traveling grace as we leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information service times, or directions to our place of worship.